Hi everyone, and welcome to the Archives Guy podcast. Episode 10, The Birth of Cambridge and Blair, the Often Overlooked Village. Now this episode was originally meant to be part four of the history of hockey in Cambridge. After starting my research, I just couldn't find enough material for a full episode. I may come back to this in the future to do it uh, the justice it deserves. So in its place, I've decided uh, also to go back to another topic I wanted to revisit. And that is giving you a history of the village of Blair. I'm also going to combine this with the birth of the city of Cambridge as they fit together nicely. In earlier episodes, we discussed the early histories of Galt, Preston, and Hespler. This time, it's uh, time to give Blair some time in the spotlight. As the title of this episode entails, it's often overlooked. Most likely, this is due to it being by far the smallest of the communities that make up Cambridge. After this, I'll go over a bit of the history of amalgamation in Waterloo Region, including the creation of the city of Cambridge. The settlement of the area around what uh, was to become Blair began in 1800 with the arrival of Samuel D. Betzter, one of a group of German-speaking Mennonites who originated in Pennsylvania. They would call them the Pennsylvania Dutch. They weren't actually Dutch, uh, they were German-speaking, so it's Pennsylvania Deutsch. So Blair actually has uh, an earlier history than Galt, Preston, or Hespler. As with other settlements in Block 2, such as Preston and Hespler, the land they settled on uh, had recently been acquired from the Six Nations through a land speculator by the name of Richard Beasley. Now, according to Jim Quantrell's A Part of Our Past, upon their arrival, the Mennonites immediately set about clearing the land, and it was only by chance that their leaders learned sometime later that Mr. Beasley had overextended his finances. This was of significance to the Mennonites because Mr. Beasley's creditors had placed a lien against the land the Mennonites had recently purchased, thereby calling into question the Mennonite ownership of the lands. So now they're in a precarious legal position um, regarding the the land, uh, yet they're unwilling to walk away from their new homes. Um, The Mennonites created a land development company, um, which became known as the German Company. And in 1803, uh, this um, German company purchased an additional 60,000 acres of unsurveyed land from Mr. Beasley. The money they paid for this land would uh, be used um, to pay off Mr. Beasley's creditors and then ensuring that the Mennonites had a clear uh, title to their lands. Although he was the first settler in Blair um, and Cambridge, Samuel D. Betzner had really little influence on the development of the community. He purchased the block of land uh, that would later um, hold uh, the bulk of the village and cleared and farmed uh, a part of the parcel, that, uh, but uh, he sold uh, the property to Joseph Bowman in 1817 and moved to West Flamborough. Rather uh, than the Betzners, it was Bowman and the Bechtel families who were credited with initiating the development of the village of Blair. Joseph Bozeman built the first uh, dam in uh, the village, and as we talked about in the other histories of the communities, uh, dams and uh, mills along the river uh, and harnessing the power of the river is key to building the settlements. So Joseph Bowman had built the first dam in the village uh, located on Bowman Creek, and he erected the area's first sawmill, a business that uh, which represented the first industrial enterprise in the village. In 1846, Samuel B. Bowman, one of Joseph Bowman's son, built a four-story mill 
on a site that was eventually occupied by the Blair Flour Mill. In about 1876, the Sheave Tower, sometimes known as the Power Tower, was built by Alan Bowman to provide extra power for the flour mill. The tower was erected on Bowman Creek and was located 240 feet from the mill. It was 31 feet high and had a 12-foot square base. Inside was a water-powered turbine, which uh, turned a vertical shaft that ran from the turbine to a horizontal uh, shaft mounted at the top of the tower. The horizontal shaft extended through the east uh, wall, where it was uh, attached to an 8-foot diameter cast iron wheel. The wheel was designed to allow the installation of hardwood blocks around the rim. The blocks had deep grooves or sheaves cut into them in which um, ran a, a wire cable. This cable was connected to a similar wheel which was attached to the west side of the mill. To keep the tower from collapsing from the strain imposed by the cable, a brace cable was uh, installed on the back side of the tower. So the sheave tower is particularly significant because it represents a unique method of the mechanical transfer of power and may be the only early example of this technology that still exists. Like many mills of its day, the Bowman Mill had a, a second identity and was also known as the Carlisle Mill. This name was extended for a time to the whole village, which was known locally as Carlisle until about 1858 when a post office was opened in the village. Since a Carlisle post office already existed in Ontario, a new name was needed for the new post office. The name chosen was Blair, selected in honor of Adam Johnston Ferguson Blair, the first judge of Wellington District and a colonel in the local militia. He won election to the Upper Canada Legislature in 1850 and won re-election by acclamation in both 1854 and 1857. The village of Blair had a number of other names in its early history. One was Durham, or Durhamville, which was derived from the Durham flour mill built by Henry Bechtel in the early 1830s. Another name was Lamb's Bridge, which was used for a short time in the early 1850s in recognition of John Lamb's Tavern and Store, which was located at the village end of the bridge that spanned the Grand River. The first recorded uh, name for the settlement was Shingle Bridge, a name which came from the shingle-roofed covered bridge across the Grand River at the settlement as early as 1835. The coveted bridge, uh, sorry, the covered bridge was severely damaged by ice in January of 1857 and was replaced by an iron bridge that remained in use until 1957. The iron bridge was demolished in 1958, leaving only the support piers, um, which can still be seen in the river. The settlement at Blair, um, the settlement of Blair, sorry, uh, actually became part of Preston on January 1st 1969, and came into Cambridge uh, with Preston on January 1st, 1973. So that's a little history of uh, Blair. So now we're going to talk about the amalgamation uh, of um, Galt Preston Hespler uh, and how Cambridge came to be. So an interesting bit of trivia that links uh, to the first part of this episode is how Blair was actually the runner-up for the name of the new city, which became Cambridge. So here's a rundown of how Cambridge was created. It's important to note that this was not a marriage of choice, to say the least. In 1972, the province of Ontario enacted Bill 167, an act to establish the regional municipality of Waterloo. It would officially come into effect on January 1st, 1973. 
this new uh, regional municipality of Waterloo would replace the county of Waterloo, which was itself actually established in 1853. Before 1973, these individual communities were much more independent, single-tier municipalities. This would change with the region of Waterloo. More services would be combined in the new two-tier structure, including, among other things, police and health services. There has always been a a friendly rivalry uh, among the various parts of what is now Cambridge. Even today, many citizens refer to themselves as being, I'm from Galtz, I'm from Preston, or I'm from Hessler. I was born after amalgamation, and I still say I'm from Preston. It's uh, kind of similar to how people in Toronto say they're from Scarborough or Etobicoke. Um, I've always joked that if you want to get people in Cambridge to agree on anything, um, you just have to ask them their thoughts about the region of Waterloo possibly amalgamating further. For many, um, uh, once was enough, and they would prefer things to stay as they are for now. When Waterloo County was established in 1853, the actual original plan was for Galt actually to be the seat of government and not Kitchener, which at that time was known as Berlin. Galt was actually about four times larger in population, uh, but it was eventually passed over for Berlin due in the large part to the large German-speaking population as of the area. And like as we learned in episode two on Galt, uh, Galt was mainly a Scottish settlement, whereas uh, its neighbors were predominantly German-speaking. Fast forward to 1972, and Galt was again at the center of controversy over a new government body. A draft version of the Region of Waterloo Act had Galt as the name of the new city to be created uh, from Galt, Preston, Hesper, and Blair. This was met with large opposition from Hespler and Preston as they felt they were being annexed by their larger neighbor. The decision for the new name of uh, the new city was placed on a ballot and eventually it was agreed that none of the existing names would be an option. Since Blair had not officially existed since being merged into Preston in 1969, it was put uh, forward as a possible name. Now the second option was Cambridge. The Council of the City of Galt was in favor of Blair, but also asked the provincial government if write-in entries could be submitted. The province rejected this as an attempt by Galt to circumvent the process to give Galt a better chance as being chosen as the name. After the vote uh, for the new names, um, a new city's name was completed, it was Cambridge that was chosen. It was not a completely unheard of name as uh, part of Preston, where the herb mill um, was, uh, had once been referred to as Cambridge Mills. The city of Cambridge was born, but the passion and the rivalry of its predecessor communities remains to this day and is not going away anytime soon. I hope you enjoyed this little bit of history on the village of Blair and the birth of the city of Cambridge. Next, I'd like to talk to you about a few cool things uh, going on, as well as some of my plans for future episodes. For all my local um, fellow local history buffs, um, I have a really cool recommendation for you this time. Please check out the work of the Hespler Heritage Center and their project involving the Mill Girls of Hespler, who worked at Dominion Woolen's uh, textile mill. They have an excellent project that creates a website for the Dominion Woolen's mill, as if websites existed in uh, 1945. It gives you an idea of what life was like working in the textile industry at the end of the Second World War and the lives of those who worked there. I can't recommend this enough. There's also a documentary on CBC Radio that talks about the Mill Girls and the connection between Hespler and the women who came from Northern Ontario and Newfoundland to work during the war years. I'm planning an upcoming episode where I'll interview the brains behind this awesome website project. 
Larry Turner, and Marty Lachance. Larry is Mr. Hespler. Uh, there's no one alive who is more knowledgeable about the history of uh, Hespler than Larry. Um, Marty uh, is, um, he's done some remarkable work um, and videos on our area um, called Cambridge Historials. Um, they can be found on YouTube. There's one for Galt, one for Preston, and one for Hespler. Um, he's incredibly talented, and I definitely recommend you checking them out on YouTube. Um, he's also the uh, person who designed uh, the podcast logo, so i got to give him a shout-out for that. Um, check out this project. It's, it's incredible. So... As I mentioned, I'm looking to do an episode on Dominion Woolens uh, with my friends at the Hasbro Heritage Center once the pandemic situation improves. I'm also planning on episodes on Langdon Hall and Crookston Park. As well as with May approaching, I want to do an episode on one of the most famous events in the history of Cambridge, the 1974 flood. Many people still have so many vivid memories of this monumental uh, event in the history of our city, so I look forward to telling that story. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Archives Guy podcast and uh, the history of Blair and the birth of Cambridge. As always, please follow the podcast on whatever platform you get your podcasts, be it Spotify, Apple, or others. If possible, uh, I'd love to see you give uh, the podcast a five-star review if you can. It'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, The podcast is also on Facebook and Instagram, so give it a follow there as well. Thanks again for listening as we continue to explore our story.